is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website we give away, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. Well, there's a little bit of good news. And whenever there's some good news to report, we try to bring it to you. Because uh, we've been accused in the past of being a downer of a a radio show. Even though we're trying to, we always try to come up with solutions to uh, the various different issues that we discuss. And the problems that we might outline in society. Um, Sometimes people say, well, you guys are too negative. Well, there's a lot of negative news out there, first and foremost. As a matter of fact, that's kind of what news is. True. Yeah, for the most part it is. Um, But there's a lot of negative things to talk about in regards to what the government is doing to your freedoms. And so we do tend to focus on that. Um, And the war on drugs is one of those negative things. Um, In fact, it is a – even if you aren't a drug user, it's one of those negative things that is affecting your life whether you like it or not. Um, whether or not you've ever smoked a joint or snorted a line of cocaine or drank underage or whatever, even if you haven't done any of those things, the war on drugs affects your life because uh, – and for several reasons. Because the fact that drugs are illegal means they're handled by the black market, which means that uh, prices go up drastically, something sure. like 3,000 to 5,000 percent. Of course they do. I mean, if you're selling those things, the cops want to put you in jail. That means that uh, there's going to be a lot of costs involved, and uh, people are going to want a big markup, a big and reward for doing it. Because it's so expensive, that means the users are going to have to do some pretty extreme things in order to get the money for their habits, which could include robbing you at gunpoint. It could include uh, stealing from your home, stealing from your car. It business. could include, yeah, It could include an employee stealing from you and your business. I mean, just on down the list and so this is this is just one of the ways that uh, the the war on drugs can affect you let alone if you happen to have a family member who is a drug user or a uh, a loved one who gets picked up by the police and thrown into a jail cell that's going to affect your life especially if you counted on that person to i don't know provide a, an income for your family to take care of your kids to, or if it is your kid i mean it's it's everything yeah, you've invested your um, invested your life in and then they get a drug conviction That makes it tough to get a job. So there's all kinds of reasons why you should care about the war on drugs. The other one is uh, the loss of uh, the the other loss of your freedoms in that uh, the right to privacy has been fairly significantly eroded by the war on drugs. The Fourth Amendment right to be free from search or seizure, unreasonable search or seizure, has just been chipped away at year by year, just chipped away, you know, to the point where you virtually don't have uh, any sort of security in your belongings, your possessions, your uh, your privacy. That's all gone because of the uh, the war on drugs. So there's real bad news with the war on drugs, but occasionally there's a little bit of good news. According to the Drug War Chronicle, the Arizona Supreme Court has ruled as of last month, that the police cannot routinely search the vehicles of people that they arrest. In a 3-2 to two decision, the court held that the warrantless search of Rodney Grant's vehicle, Rodney Gant, rather, uh, after he was arrested, handcuffed, and sitting in the back of a police car, went beyond an allowable search incident to arrest and was not justifiable. 
Gant, who was from Tucson, was convicted on drug charges after the police wait uh, after police waiting for him as part of a drug investigation arrested him on a warrant for driving on a suspended license when he drove up to a targeted address. Police knew he had the pre-existing warrant because they'd checked up on him during an earlier encounter at the same address. When Gant drove up and got out of his car, police called him over and arrested and handcuffed him. They then searched the vehicle and found the drugs that led to his conviction. The court overturned the conviction calling the search a violation of the Fourth Amendment, Hmm. which I'm actually pretty surprised about this decision because it seems like, you know, they had the probable cause. It seems like they had already arrested the guy, and you would think that if there was Arrest doesn't really mean probable cause to search your vehicle. Apparently it doesn't, and I guess, you know, I've just been sort of mind-warped by the, uh, the way society is today. The legal argument centered around whether the facts in this case were consistent with a search incident to arrest. U.S. courts have recognized searches incident to arrest as one of the few areas where the Fourth Amendment requirement of probable cause or a search warrant uh, not does apply, citing officer safety and the need to preserve evidence. The Arizona Supreme Court held that the search of Gant's vehicle after he was already under arrest and handcuffed for a traffic warrant was not a search incident to arrest. When the justifications no longer exist because the scene is secure and the arrestee is handcuffed, secured in the back of a patrol car and under the supervision of an officer. Therefore, because the man had already been arrested, he was no longer a threat to the officers. Therefore, they had no reason to search his vehicle. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, the warrantless search good of the news. arrestee's car cannot be justified as necessary to protect the officers at the scene or to prevent the destruction of evidence. Arizona law enforcement wasn't happy about the ruling, and some agencies suggested they would find ways to skirt it. I bet Imagine they will. that. Uh, police departments across the state, working with the associations of the chiefs of police, filed briefs urging the court to uphold the conviction and hinting they would adopt different arrest procedures, perhaps not handcuffing the suspects until after the vehicle search, and able to uh, t- so they can continue the practice. Now, um, just like the cops. I thought that the cops were there to enforce the law and that the uh, Supreme Court interpreted it. Apparently, Mark, the cops are there to do whatever they can get away with doing I think they're until wa- the courts put them down. Waging a war is what it sounds like they're doing. What do you mean, like a political war? It's just in general. Um, you know, they'll fight and in whatever manner they need to. If it's, if it's got to be underhanded, if we've got to skirt the rules, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. It's typical of the police. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. One more thought from one of the judges. Uh, Justice Burt addressed the implied threat in her opinion, quote, We presume that police officers will exercise proper judgment in their contacts with arrestees and will not engage in conduct which creates unnecessary risks to their safety or public safety in order to circumvent the Fourth Amendment's warrant requirement. I presume some police will, and I presume some won't. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so th- that's a little bit of good news. And that's usually what we get. Right, it's usually just a little bit mm-hmm. of good news. It's just a little baby step back in the right direction, while at the same time they're taking five steps, uh, you know, in a in a negative direction. So, since we're on the issue, might as well do some corrupt cop stories. We haven't done some in a while. This one from again, all of this from StopTheDrugWar.org. They do a great uh, weekly newsletter. You can have it delivered to your email box, uh, box as well. In El Paso, a Customs and Border Patrol agent was arrested last month for allegedly letting more than a ton of marijuana into the country. That's a lot of, bo- a lot of pot. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, CPB officer Margarita Crispin is charged with one count of conspiracy to import a controlled substance. According to the indictment, she conspired with others from 2003 to this year to let truckloads get by border checkpoints. She was jailed awaiting a bond hearing last report. So that's one example of what you're going to see more of down at the border, especially if they increase border security. If they put up a big fence, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of drugs will. Uh, most of the drugs go through. They, they go through on vehicles. I mean, they go through in the backs of big rigs. That's the way How most of they? it goes through. Well, tunnels. Tunnels are another way that that they can move them. But in order to move a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds of marijuana or cocaine across the border through a border patrol checkpoint, it's pretty much a requirement that you have the border patrol on your side. You could try it. I mean, you can roll the dice and hope they don't search the back of your 18-wheeler. And maybe you'd make it through, but eventually they're going to check on you. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play those odds. Right. So it makes more sense to just simply increase the you know the cost of your marijuana or your cocaine or whatever it is to increase the cost in order to absorb whatever however many thousands of dollars you have to pay to the border patrol agents in order to make the trip um you know you're buying it for so so such a little price down in Mexico that adding another 50 bucks a pound or 100 dollars a pound to the price isn't going to really affect your ability to sell it retail in the United States Right, and when you're a border patrol agent, what are you making? Thirty, forty thousand dollars a year? I can't imagine yeah. it's 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 a whole bunch. Yeah, it's something like that. So, you know, an extra spiff of two, maybe five thousand uh, dollars per truck car payment. Per you know, month. that's a, a mortgage some. payment. Two thousand dollars? Yeah, you're putting that down to your towards your kid's college fund. I mean, that's significant, and it's cash. It's uh, it's untraceable. You're not Don't getting get taxed, taxed on, on it. it. So there's more to the story, uh, but we're going to take your calls because that's what's important. 800-259-9231. Two Erics and a John, and we'll talk to you about whatever you want, ladies. If you call in, you come first. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away, including the archives. Uh, An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website. Easily downloadable for free. freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAIs. We go to the phones, to the fun. To Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Eric. Hello, Eric. Eric in Michigan, going once. Eric in Michigan. I guess. Hey, Eric, what's on your mind? I'm not understanding your argument on the drug war. You said that if we stop the drug war, then there will be less drug-related robberies. Yes, of course. That's true. Why? Why don't you well, think that? Because uh, people just use more drugs. <laughs> well, that drugs don't cause robberies, sir. The price of drugs causes robberies. Yeah, I don't think that's true, though, because... Like, let's look at something else that's really expensive. Like, for instance, not many people rob to buy a Rolls Royce. 
that's just not the way it goes. You know, you're not, not many go people are addicted people. to Royals Royces, sir. Now, hold on, um, just a second. Let's use a, another parallel that's probably a little more apt, shall we? Um, how about alcohol? It, what one time in the United States was illegal, right? Okay. And uh, were there crimes committed around alcohol? Oh yeah. Heard of Al Capone? Yeah. yeah. Um, so why wouldn't crimes decrease um, as a result of drug illegalization? Well, I think that you guys are equating two different things. I think that you're saying that uh, gang-related or um, like cartel-related uh, drug violence is the same as individual drug violence with people that are just searching for money to get drugs. So you would say the gang-related uh, violence due to drugs uh, would decrease dramatically? Is Absolutely, that correct? 100%. Okay, great. Um, now... What what um, would uh, set the price of drugs mostly, to some extent, would be how much it costs to produce them. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, cocaine's made from cocoa plants, relatively easy to uh, put you know put together and uh, mash out. I, I mean, you, you see the process down in, Co- in uh, Colombia there, not too difficult. Uh, heroin's made out of poppy seeds, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, the, another name for marijuana is weed, mm-hmm. because it grows like one. So it likely these companies would get in competition, and uh, the price would be set basically on how much can they make uh, run their company on and the cost of production. Um, I don't think that you could expect to see marijuana cost much more than a pack of cigarettes. I right. don't think you could expect to see um, cocaine or heroin cost much more than generic uh, labeled uh, aspirin or any other uh, drugs that are out there, right. because these would not be um, these wouldn't be copyrightable, uh, patentable. Um, you know, formulations, they would just be the drug. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. So, right. So I mean, how, many likely, how many alcohol, uh, how many alcoholics or cigarette nicotine addicts or even caffeine addicts are out there knocking over convenience stores and robbing people's houses blind in order to get their next pack of cigarettes or their next fifth of whiskey? Well, I don't think that, uh, I mean, there's no, you know, there's withdrawals with certain things. Like, I don't really think there is with caffeine. And for some people, perhaps, uh, for alcohol, perhaps, uh, with cigarettes, perhaps. But I think that if you're talking about heroin, for instance, the withdrawals are much, much more severe, and as such, people are going to keep using it because they need it, and they're going to keep using it at an increased rate. And as such, eventually, you know, perhaps it'll take a little bit longer for them to run out of funding to fund their habit, because heroin, you know, you can't function usually on that sort of drug. You know, people don't hold hold down regular jobs and then do heroin. You know, you don't see CEOs that do a bunch of heroin. They don't do it currently hold down regular jobs, but I do believe that a person could have a heroin habit and make slightly more than minimum wage. I, in the same way that people uh, make minimum wage and have alcohol, you know, minimum wage or slightly more, whatever it is that an adult gets paid, because not too many adults get minimum wage. Look at all. And they have alcohol problems. They have cigarette problems. Yeah. They manage to, uh, you know, they manage to support their addictions there. Smokers are are putting cigarettes into their body every, you know, fifteen minutes if they can during the daytime. Some I mean, are. So, I mean, they can afford those habits. Um, there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to afford it if these drugs were legal. I mean, and, even if there are still a handful of instances of violence. It's far. It would be far drastically. Uh, as, the whole situation would be drastically removed from what we have today. Wouldn't you agree? What I'm arguing is that people don't rob for drugs because drugs are expensive. They're robbing for drugs because drugs are addictive, extremely no, addictive. Now, there's different. Do you know drug addicts? Hold on, just a second, um, it's Ian. Um, now, the, what I'm saying, I'm not disagreeing. Obviously, drugs are very addictive. Isn't alcohol to an alcoholic very addictive? Don't they manage to function um, throughout their day? Um, you know, there's so many functional alcoholics. Certainly you see a few littering the streets out there, but I would uh, venture to say that there's probably 10 times, maybe 20 times the amount of uh, functional alcoholics out there for every one that you see sitting in the street. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think that if somebody, uh, I think that if somebody develops a heroin habit well beyond what they currently have, you know, if they've got the full-blown heroin ha- habit, that that problem is going to take care of itself. Take care of itself. Yeah, they might just die. And also, um, people that love or care about the heroin addicts, presuming they have anybody, uh, will hopefully notice that they've changed their behavior, that they're not any longer showing up to work, that sort of thing, and and they can go and get the help that they need. Which, in a legal world where these drugs are legal, um, they wouldn't be scared to do anymore. A lot of drug addicts are are frightened to death of going and, and getting help for themselves because they understand that uh, there's a chance somebody's going to snitch them out to the cops. There may, be even, may even be laws in place that require uh, the police to be uh, notified of anybody seeking assistance, So, uh, or at least a certainly paranoia, uh, you know, paranoia strikes, and they believe that to be the case. So um, they would be more likely to be able to seek out that help and get the help that they need. There's, there's so many reasons. I mean, you're not arguing for keeping drugs legal, are you? You're just bringing Illegal. up objections or keeping them illegal, you're just bringing up objections, right? Well, I'm really not certain. Like, I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that pot should be legalized, but beyond that, I think there's certain drugs that are so addictive in their nature that it absolutely ruins a life, and no matter what the drug costs, even if it costs a penny for a hit of heroin or what have you, uh, the people would still end up you know, losing all their money, losing their job, and they'd end up robbing for it. Now, I don't That's think so. Hold on. I, let's go. I, I think that their funding pe- will run out before their addiction catches up with them and kills them. Uh, for a penny for a, um, a, a, hit of, a hit of heroin, you can beg that kind of money. Yeah. And people do beg the kind of Perhaps money it takes to keep... That's a bit extreme. Sorry. I, I know. I'm, but even, it's not necessarily extreme. Talking, it's not that Look extreme. Look at aspirin. Say, say, say it's a buck. You telling me you can't um, that that an adroit beggar can't beg um, uh, you know a dollar for their next uh, hit of heroin? Well, I doubt it's going to be a buck. I mean, it's imported. You know, you got to. What are you talking about? Why, why? Why is it imported though? Poppies. Well, yes, I understand that, um, <laughs> but poppies are illegal in the United States. You can't grow them. So if it people was legal, grow pot, and that's legal in the United States. So why do people grow pot here? I've got no answers as to why they uh, grow poppies in Afghanistan and they don't grow them here. But I do know that the United States is blessed with some of the most diverse geography in the world um, and that we can grow poppies here. I can assure you I've seen stories right. in the same way that we could grow cocoa plants and that kind of thing. They're not just indi- indigenous to one, only one place in the world and we'll only grow there. The same way we have bamboo here is the same way we could have Poppy seeds or cocoa plants. Can we rewind for, for a moment here? Because in the early part of the 20th century... All of these drugs were legal. All of them. Heroin, you could go down to your local corner pharmacy. Send your seven-year-old Send in. your kid in there. Give him a couple bucks. And you could walk out. And I think we might have just lost all of our callers. I don't know. That's usually what happens when that, we still got that noise happens. Okay, we do. Good. Um, you could walk out with a bottle full of liquid heroin. And you could take it to your heart's content. Go back down you know, uh, the next day and get a whole other bottle full, and the only issue we had with drug addiction was bored housewives. These people were not stealing from their neighbors. They were taking the money that their husbands earned and going and buying heroin, and it was very, very affordable. It was not a big deal. Nobody even batted an eye at it. Thanks for the concerns, Eric, but the fact is, leaving any drugs legal leaves a black market open for criminals to exploit. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners there with dozens and dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photos to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Did you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats could leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that at KeepYourAssets.net, they can help you to be protected from those who wish to take your assets. I uh, misspoke before we went to break. I said that as long as some drugs remain illegal, there will always be criminals, the criminal element around in order to profit from them and raise the prices dramatically and thereby make it so that drug addicts have to commit crimes, unless they're independently wealthy, of course, have to commit crimes in order to get the money to feed their habits. And, you know, I, I just wonder if callers like Eric from Michigan, who... He seemed generally concerned for people who were addicted to drugs, Um, but at the same time, it seems to me that if you're concerned for those who are addicted to drugs, you should want drugs to be legalized, because then they could afford their drugs better than they can today. It is just a fact of life that the black market increases the price of illegal drugs dramatically, by thousands and thousands of percentages. It's incredible, the amount of profits that are built into the black market, and... I just wonder if people like him actually know drug addicts. I mean, Mark, your wife worked with drug addicts for a living. Certainly she had uh, – I'm, sh- I'm sure she could tell some stories. I've known um, personally some people who've been addicted to drugs. Um, when I used to live down in Florida, my ex-girlfriend used to take care of this little girl who um, was a very, very nice little girl. Uh, she was an angel. Seven years old, something like that. And uh, her mother, on the other hand, was not such an angel. Yeah. She was an, a, a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And this woman couldn't really even keep food on the table for her daughter yeah. because she was spending all of her money on, I think it was meth. I think meth was the drug of her choice. And who knows what else she was doing in order to get the money for uh, the drugs, because not everybody robs and steals. Some people prostitute themselves. I believe she might have been doing that. She was a, uh, a relatively attractive uh, young lady, and I believe she was prostituting herself uh, in order to afford her drug habit. And if you'd ever go to her house, um, which we did from time to time in order to drop off or, or pick up the uh, the little girl, things were just weird, man. People were hanging around there that you don't think would normally be hanging around there, and everybody was sort of uh, standoffish, you know, they're like as though they were hiding something, which they probably were, and it was just a nasty, nasty situation that would have been totally different had the drugs been a 60th of their price, which they could very well be if they were legal. Um, I, I'd say that they absolutely are. I mean, look at generic drugs at Walmart and that kind of thing, and then you'll get an idea of what right. it costs. I mean, they have to get the natural resources for aspirin from somewhere. Yep. Um, and when you're talking about, you know, refining things like heroin um, from poppies, uh, poppy plants, and uh, cocaine from these cocoa leaves. You're not talking about very extended processes compared to sure. the pharmaceutical processes of today. 
And you're not even talking about something that today costs a lot of money. We were talking about marijuana being brought in by the ton, the truckload, um, a few moments ago on the program. And you have to understand that down in Mexico, if you're going to buy marijuana in bulk, you're only going to be paying like 100 bucks a pound for it. Now, you can take that marijuana and bring it into the United States. And if it's mid-grade marijuana, you can sell it for, uh, I don't know, $1,500 a pound. So that's a nice little markup right there, and that's if you're selling it bulk, okay? That's if you're taking it and you're selling it uh, to sort of mid-level um, marijuana dealers who will then take it to the street level. Um, nobody goes to mar- uh, No one goes to Mexico and buys a pound of pot and brings it back and you know quarter bags it out. That doesn't happen. Uh, but down the line, that that pound of marijuana is going to turn into three thousand dollars. And I mean, it's just amazing the differential in price between the original grower. And the end user, the very last person to purchase that that little baggie of marijuana, it is tremendous the amount of money that can be shaved off of that price if it was just legalized. And And to say that we shouldn't do it because some drugs are just so bad that we don't want people to get their hands on them is really, I think, just an argument from ignorance. And I was thinking about the uh, argument that, uh, well, poppy seeds and heroin and, and uh, or poppy plants and heroin and therefore um, cocoa plants and, and cocaine and all those things would have to be imported. So what? So are our bananas. So are our oranges. Yeah. <laughs> so are all kinds of our foods. And uh, it's not that expensive. Sure. In, in fact, it would probably cost even less... Uh, if, for instance, we weren't going over, we meaning the government, wasn't going, say, down to Colombia and spraying their crops with some evil killer chemical yeah. and wiping out a certain percentage of the uh, the crops that are being grown in order to be turned into drugs. I mean, if if that wasn't happening, then the the wholesale price would be even lower if there was real competition. Even with our intervention down in South America, um, I've heard on authority, I have never been to South America, nor have I ever purchased pottons from South America, but I can tell you that... Oh, you uh, might have. But I haven't. Well, I haven't purchased directly from South America. Right, right, right. And I've only on a very few rare, rare occasions ever purchased (laughs) marijuana anyway. Um, Anyway, the uh, in South America, an ounce is five bucks. In Kentucky, it's uh, 150. I wonder why. Exactly right. I mean, let, drugs. Let's continue here because uh, more people want to talk about this and other things. Let's go to Steve in Utah. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How you doing? Great. Good, What's on your mind? I oh, just uh, want to talk about the the drug issue. Yes, sir. And let's see. They, yeah, they need to legalize it. And you, you're, you're, when you say it, you mean everything? Well, I don't know about that. I mean. I don't know. I mean, I know the government already sells heroin, and they it's called Oxycontin. And I, a while ago, a couple of years ago, I had to go put my friend to the ground because, mm. you know, he was using that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, because there are yeah, a lot of people that are addicted to that drug. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it's the government supplies it. You know, Rush Limbaugh, I do believe, he indulges in, you know, yeah, Now, I think that that's uh, a pharmaceutical um, company that supplies that. The, the government, the however, government has, approved has it. given it its rubber stamp it's from the FCC. Yeah, it's approved, yeah. and they tax it, and they make money off of it. So, sure, FDA, Mark. You know, and they, they need Did to just FCC? legalize marijuana and just... But but there's another thing. Then you're going you're gonna to decrease the population in jails if you... Yes, you, you are. Know, Dramatically. If you, and then, you know, that's not a good thing either for the government. You know, they need no, to keep those jails and prisons full. So. It would be a good thing for you and I. Because we yeah, wouldn't have to pay but, for those jails. Right. But if you really cared about your citizens and your fellow men, you would, you know, legalize it and, you know, control it and, 
clean it up and uh, lower the price dramatically. Which makes you wonder the about quality. the government, right? It makes you wonder because um, it seems to me they don't care about their fellow man. All they care about is putting their fellow man behind bars. And isn't that a bit of a sickness? It's it's, it's kind of like you got to make sure that, you know, as many people in America are tapped out as possible, you know, whether they're buying, you know, expensive cars or buying expensive drugs mm. or, you know, just make sure people don't have extra money and make sure people are working and in debt. That's an excellent point. We are a society based on debt, and it's really it's really hurting us. It really is uh, long-term. Yeah. And, Steve, thank you for the insight and thank you for the call. Really appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I think, it's, I think that's pretty insightful. You know, um, maybe that's one of the reasons why, one of the sinister behind-the-scenes reasons why these government uh, goons want to keep drugs illegal because they know it's keeping a certain segment of the population down. You know, it's it's they have these addictions, and uh, if they could, they would still have the addiction theoretically, even if the drugs were legal. But at least they'd have a little bit more money in their pocket. I don't think the government has any desire to keep them down, and I think that segment of the population would probably keep themselves down anyway. Um, like they're pretty good at that. But I do think that the government sees, um, whether or not they see it, the government is in fact enterprising on those people that are addicted to drugs. They run jails and prisons, they get money from, um, you know, the, you the federal government, they see and it. the federal government taxes us, and of course local and state um, governments tax us too, all to keep these people behind bars. Right, they know where their bread is buttered, you know they see it. The drug warriors in America, the people working for the DEA, the people working in the vice squad at your local sheriff's department, all of these guys know exactly where the money's coming from. They're not fooled, they're not that stupid. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. You get to bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, that's 800-259-9231, also known as the Sakel CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. If you want to help support the show, however... Uh, we do invite you to shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You need to do this shopping just to live. I mean, there's stuff you just have to buy in life. You might as well buy it at Amazon because they carry pretty much everything. 41 categories to shop in, everything from their huge selection of books all the way to their brand new category of groceries. That's right. Amazon sells groceries now, uh, bulk style, which is really cool. So go to uh, go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter through that link, FreeTalkLive gets a percentage of your purchase and also, I'd like to announce um, for our Canadian listeners, we do have an international audience of this program, and uh, for our Canadian listeners, I have now set up a Canadian Amazon link, which is very simply amazonca.freetalklive.com. Um, also, we have uh, for our United Kingdom listeners, amazonuk.freetalklive.com, and I think we may have a German link coming soon uh, that will be announced within hopefully the next few days so that's pretty cool and if you forget the links just scroll down our banner uh, banner column at freetalklive.com you'll find the links right there underneath the amazon uh the amazon banner so try to make it easy as easy as possible for everybody to get out there and help free talk live out and get the products they need for life all right 800-259-9231 continuing with the phone calls here oh actually i want to read a quick email from amy since we're still on this war on drugs topic she says uh my brother was recently killed in a car accident. He struggled with drug addiction for years and had only been out of jail for six months. Mm. It's not yet confirmed if he was under the influence when the accident happened. I pray that he wasn't, but 
I know that there's a good chance he was. My heart breaks because he was doing so well. He'd actually gotten a steady job and had only recently gotten his license back. I still cannot believe my brother's gone forever. He was only 22. Sometimes people ask me how I can be for the legalization of drugs, giving the problems that my brother suffered. And I always ask them, does, how does the criminalization of drug users help the drug user? How does it help anyone? Jail did not help my brother. What I want to say is that drugs are dangerous, drugs are addictive, and they cause a lot of pain. But it's not the job of the government to help these individuals by throwing them in jail. And I would also argue, um, as an aside, that it's also not their job to help them by forcing them into what might be an unwanted treatment program. Well, sure, when you force people into treatment programs, then you're artificially... Uh, it, you know, inflating the treatment program market. Right. They don't have to compete for each other's uh, business. They just have to compete for government contracts, which doesn't require them to be, you know, it, it, it removes them one step from being good, you know, uh, productive at what they do. Let me tell you, basically, the um, a lot of drug treatment programs, people just act like bureaucrats, like they work for the government. Sure. And a lot of them just work for the government. So... You know, and the, as far as the drug addict is concerned, they feel like they're being forced into something, and that they're going to resent that. Uh, they may say one thing, but they'll be doing another. Uh, let's continue though. The e- the email real quickly says, again, uh, she doesn't think it helps to throw them in jail. My brother belonged with his family, who was doing everything in their power to help him. His struggles are over now, but I never once gave up on him. From uh, from Amy. 800-259-9231. I just thought I'd share that as, as an example of how, you know, the drug war can impact your life, even if you aren't doing drugs, even if you aren't a drug addict. Her brother was. Mm. And he went into jail for it, got out, and probably got right back on the horse. All that jail did was suck $40,000 a year out of the pockets of taxpayers. Didn't do anything to make his life any better. Let's continue with the calls. You can bring up anything going to Eric in Canada. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Okay. um, I just wanted to make a quick clarification about um, inflation and how there's two distinctions that usually aren't made. All right. Okay. The first is obviously the one that we talk about when we're talking about, you know, Nazi Germany or or, uh, pre-Nazi Germany in the 20s when the government just massively printed dollars to pay off its debt. Yes. So that inflation was solely caused because the central bank just printed wads of cash, okay? Okay, what's the other one? And the other one is the one that's happened after World War II in a lot of developing countries like Argentina, where the central bank didn't necessarily print a lot of dollars. They did do too much, but that wasn't the root cause of it. It was that uh, the demand for the Argentino peso just completely fell. See, that's the thing about fiat dollars. They're almost magical. Uh, foreign investors and speculators basically can decide how much they're worth. And I can use an example here in Canada. In the 90s, we had a Quebec referendum when one of our provinces wanted to become its own country, and our dollar fell to every other world currency. It just plummeted. The government didn't print more dollars, and inflation went up, but it was just because... Demand Wait, for the now, that, dollar I fell. think you've got your terminology right, wrong. That's, that's devaluation of the currency, not inflation. Inflation is the printing and introducing of new money. No, right. but no, no. Inflation is as demand for the dollar goes down. Inflation happens. 
No, right? I'm, You're I'm sorry. You're talking about the no. inflation of prices and, um, you know, inflation by, you know, from an economic standpoint, the definition of the term is an, it's an increase in the money supply of the currency. What you're talking about is a devaluation in the currency. Right. A lot of people are confused about the and, definition and they of work, inflation. They work similarly in that the currency becomes worth less. Correct. Usually, um, usually when you see increasing prices, that's, that's not inflation. That's a symptom of inflation, and inflation being an increase in the money supply, whether that be them printing the, uh, the money or incrementing digits in a computer somewhere. Either way, they are essentially increasing the money supply. So just a, you know, that's, that's just an issue of definitions, but I, but I appreciate you bringing that up. Any other thoughts? Okay, I, sure. I guess that, that's what I wanted to say, because sometimes Argentina is used, but... I, but it was also because demand for the dollar plummeted. Okay, um, and the other thing I was going to talk about, oh, right, was uh, private prisons. Have you guys talked about, I, I mean, not theoretically, but in actuality, have you talked about the private prisons in the United States? We've talked about a few I, of them. I don't know much about them, okay. honestly. Because there was an article in The Economist, um, and it was talking about it, that, you know, the jails run in Mississippi by the government are, you know, they're almost third world. Mm-hmm. But the private jails, uh, they do much better because they're almost run like a business. It's and true. They've got overhead. They've got to meet. Um, they it typically, I think private jails typically have work options for their uh, for the people that are in the jails to where they uh, might, an- might answer phones, taking tele- uh, tel- uh, maybe um, airline reservations, that sort of thing, hotel reservations. And they uh, the prison takes a percentage of their paycheck and they use it to pay off their overhead and they take a percentage of their paycheck and they put it in an account for the prisoner. And, and from what I've heard, private prisons are definitely a step above government prisons, but I you have to be cautious about that because in the you know in the current legal environment with all of these sort of non-crimes being crimes like doing drugs we were talking about earlier there's still that incentive uh, to for the private prisons to support putting drug users behind bars um, so just because there are private prisons doesn't mean that they're being run by people that actually necessarily uh, that, that necessarily want to reduce the amount of prisoners in the world. Uh, they, they're being run by politically connected individuals, and I think our current private prison situation leaves a lot to be desired, even though there are definitely some benefits. Thanks for the call, Eric. We appreciate hearing from you. So, again, just to clarify, people are misinformed about inflation, and I blame government economics textbooks for this, uh, because it, you can actually go to, like, dictionary.com, uh, go to different dictionaries, and you'll find differing definitions of inflation. There are some definitions that will claim that it's tied to an increase in prices. They'll, they'll try to make it sound like inflation is a it price is increase. tied to but, some extent to an increase in prices. But they'll try to make it sound like that's what it is, and it's not what it is, because just because inflation is happening doesn't even necessarily guarantee price increases. As we pointed out last night, there have been some products that have dropped in price over time simply because of uh, because of mass production, because mm-hmm. of consumer demand, because of competition. Um, so inflation, it still has affected that product's end price, but you can't see it as obviously. So again, inflation is an increase in the money supply, and the only way that can happen is with the government central bank around to do it. Let's continue with the calls. Well, and it could happen if you uh, if, if gold was the currency and a large uh, reserve of gold was uh, found. That would be an inflation of the currency. Yeah, that, that 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 could happen, but I think there would be some mechanisms in the marketplace in order to uh, sort of prevent that from occurring. Because you know, if you've got a bunch of gold, you don't really want to just release it. Well, you want to hold it. Gold's useful, and yeah. um, as as far as you know, it's used in all kinds of uh, manufacturing. As far as 
I, I think cameras have gold in them. Right. Some batteries do. And there's uh, effort that parts. you have to put into getting the gold, unlike right. the printing press where you just flip on the switch. Right. So there's there's some differences there, important differences. Let's continue with the calls. Talk to John in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. John, listening on WAIS. Hello. Yes, I am so disappointed. I've been on uh, the telephone for the last 20 minutes, and because of uh, uh, the volume level, I have no idea what has been talked about for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> well, that's okay. You can figure out what you want to talk about, John, and we'll come back to you, okay? So hold sure. on. 800-259-9231. Now you go wait, get to wait longer. <laughs> Congratulations. Hour 2 is coming up. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. As we roll into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's go back to the phones and back to the fun to John in Ohio, listening on WAIS. John, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, uh, I am so sick of uh, these guys on the far left and the far right. Tell me about it. They are so full of baloney. Uh, this is a state's right issue. Which issue are you talking about, talking about, drugs? Pardon? Are you referring to drugs, sir? No, I'm talking about the whole political situation. Which political situation? Which includes drugs, by the way. Okay. Uh, the, uh, sovereignty of the states has been, uh, given away to the uh, federal government. That much seems to be the case. And but it's been that way. It's... Done, Sorry? And if these idiots on the far left and far right would support it, is that uh, the great state of Ohio, which I am from, uh, the great sovereign state of Ohio will not recognize, support, or enforce any federal law, presidential decree, mm. or any other action John, which does not pass the uh, constitutional muster. You are a man after my own heart, John. I got to say, constitutional muster of the Ohio state of Ohio. I, I'm with you, man. I, I wish we could get rid of the federal government entirely. Unfortunately, uh, the people in charge... Left the federal government to no end. What'd you say? Sorry? John? My God. We have surrendered ourselves like hogs surrendering themselves to the hog... Uh, Industry. Yep, and unfortunately, and John, thank you for the call. Really appreciate hearing from you. Unfortunately, the political elected uh, elected people in the state of Ohio, in whatever state you're listening in, they don't have the courage to stand up to the federal government. Look at what's happening out in California with the DEA coming in and raiding marijuana dispensaries, which are legal in California. 
legal by ballot initiative passed all over a decade ago now. Uh, the federal government continues to send its stormtroopers in there and confiscate pounds and pounds of marijuana and thousands and thousands of dollars in cash. And the California government just sort of, you know, they, they act as though they're outraged, but they don't ever do anything about it. This is an outrage! You're disrespecting the California voters! We're not going to do anything to stop you, but we're outraged and we wanted to let you know. Because they get all this federal money, which um, is very, very tempting for them. The California police, they get federal dollars for certain policing things. Uh, other California bureauc- uh, bureaucracies, they get federal dollars for fill-in-the-blank. There are so many different federal programs out there. You know, and it has totally destroyed the, the concept of states' rights, as John was pointing out. This this is one of the things that makes it difficult for uh, California, uh, for anyone, but in the case of California, you know, police aren't elected. They're just hired bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. So sometimes chiefs of police can be elected, but that's sometimes about it. they are uh, sheriffs. So sheriffs. Sometimes they are. If if they held their sheriffs and and chiefs of police accountable, which you know in in some cases you you would have to go as high as holding the mayor accountable for this, um, to enforce their laws, the laws that California has, so therefore place cops around these uh, marijuana dispensaries and. And protect them, these businesses, these lawful businesses in California from these unlawful, they're not even raids by the DEA, these uh, robberies by That's the DEA. That's what they are, yeah. Because the DEA isn't arresting anyone. They're just coming and taking the pot and the money. Because they can. Because no one can stand against them. Well, they could. You're right. The cops could stand against the DEA, but they won't. Mm-hmm. Because that would threaten their federal money, their precious, precious federal money. And so as a result, your local governments and your state governments are essentially owned by the federal government, and no one's going to step out of line because they don't want those checks. They don't want those checks to stop. Now, occasionally, you'll find a few examples of some state governments that have the courage to stand up here and there to the federal government. Here in New Hampshire, for instance, uh, the state of New Hampshire refuses federal highway funds because New Hampshire refuses to pass a seatbelt law, a law that mandates that all adults wear seatbelts when they're in cars. So as a result of New Hampshire refusing to pass that law, and it comes up every year. They try it every year, and it fails. Mm-hmm. Um, every other year. Whatever. Anyway, if they were to pass that law, then they'd get federal money. And so there are some examples of states, you know, state governments actually having the courage to stand up against uh, the feds, but they're few and far between. Very few. So um, what can you do about it? I think really the, the, the blame lies with the people. Um, you can blame the the politicians all you want, but they're just responding to incentive, and that is federal money being hung over them with like a carrot on a stick, basically. Uh, but it's really the people's fault for not holding their representatives accountable, for not holding uh, the chief of police accountable, for not holding the uh, the local selectmen or or uh, city council members uh, accountable. So really, look in the mirror. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go and talk to Finn. No, wait, Finn's gone. Let's try Hunter in Iowa. Hunter, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. How are you doing tonight? Cool. Great. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, uh, I'm not so sure about the legalization of drugs. Okay. Okay. What can we help I, you with? I would prefer the decriminalization, and here's why. Okay. Uh, you guys talk about the government doing everything wrong, and what makes you think that the government, if they get a hold of marijuana, for instance, uh, and start regulating that, I mean, you're going to have all these taxes on it. Uh, here in Iowa, just uh, this year, they've increased the cigarette tax from uh, $0.65 cents to $1.65. 
Imagine what they're going to do with marijuana or any other drug. They're going to regulate it, and, of course, they're going to uh, use it as a new revenue stream to, uh, to tax us. I understand your concerns, and really, um, it's hard for me to pick which word to use when I'm talking about the, this issue. Um, decriminalization, I like that word. I, it, like Legalization seems to have just sort of a better feel for most people, uh, but we could go back and forth as far as which word is best. I, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you because... I think that decrim would be better. I don't want the government regulating these things. I don't want the government taxing them. But, you know, let's be honest. As far as the types of legislators that we have in office today, they're going to want to pass legalization bills. Um, if if that's what it takes, you know, to, to get drugs out of the hands of the black market, and I mean, even if it means that it'll be taxed somewhat, it would still be a better situation than um, – it would be an improvement. It wouldn't be – Optimum. It wouldn't be what I want, and what I want is decriminalization, as you're describing, in that you just simply remove the criminality of these uh, of these drugs, and then you just simply let the market take uh, take hold of it. Because wherever the gov- the more involved government gets in distributing drugs, the worse off the situation becomes. In, in Canada, for instance, there was a law passed that said that the Canadian government must um, provide marijuana for a certain number of um, medicinal users, and the Canadian government set up their own marijuana grow op, and they cranked out a bunch of ditch weed. Yeah. It sucked. Awful. So, well, that, and that's what I was thinking. Imagine having to smoke three joints with a filter just to, yeah. to you know, do what, what one would do nowadays. Right. Unfortunately, we aren't seeing real good decrim bills being presented to state legislatures. It's just not happening. I would love that to happen. Maybe you could come here to New Hampshire and run for office and submit one of those. Um, that's a possibility. But that's, so I actually agree with you. Decriminalization would be optimum. Thanks for the call, Hunter. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Uh, all right. So I've got a couple emails here, and uh, they're, they're tied together, but okay. they came in at different times. Anyway, Demi Love emails in. He says, today's kind of a sad day for all of us wine nerds here in Illinois. I feel sorry for anyone living in Illinois. It's just an awful place to live. A bill has passed both governmentally, at least. Right, from a government standpoint. Right. Uh, it may be beautiful. I don't know. I've never been there. A bill has passed both houses, which, among other things, will prohibit us from ordering wine directly out of, uh, from out-of-state wine stores. We can order directly from the wineries or have wine delivered to us from in-state stores. He says, is this protectionist? Yeah, Oh, it very is. much so. Uh, but that puts us at the mercy of what wines our Illinois wholesalers choose to bring to the market. One curiosity about the situation for me is how little the media has covered it. Now, I was getting almost daily updates about the bill's progress on some wine bulletin boards or blogs that I read on the Internet. But almost nothing appeared in the Chicago Tribune or Sun-Times or on Chicago Talk Radio. I mean, there are a lot of wine drinkers out there, so it's not like this is a real niche issue. You'd think that they'd be talking about this, right? Well, they figure they'll get their wines, and uh, these are this is really for the, the true connoisseurs. I, we'll continue with this uh, discussion here, 800-259-9231. This, uh, there's this alcohol protectionism that goes on not just in the wine field, but all over uh, in America, and it's sick. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The bulletin board system's there. 
over a quarter of a million posts to surf around through. There are serious issues being discussed and fun stuff as well. You'll find it all, and it's all for free, at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And as the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. So we're uh, in the middle of an email from Demilove, and uh, he's apparently – he lives in Illinois where they've just recently uh, – a bill has passed both houses, so I, I presume it's waiting for Governor Rod's signature. And he's pretty concerned because what this bill is doing is it's making it so people in Illinois cannot order wine from out-of-state wine stores. So maybe you're a wine connoisseur and your local wine distributors aren't offering the product selection that you're looking for because I'm not a wine person, but I understand that there's a lot of different types of wine out there. I've seen the grocery store wine section. There's a lot of wines there, and I know that the actual amount of wines available in the marketplace is much, much larger. So there's a huge selection, and there's a good chance the wine you want isn't, if you're a connoisseur at least, isn't at your local store. Likely. So the sensible solution is to go online, type your wine into uh, some sort of search engine, and find some online retailers that are willing to sell it to you. Not if you're in Illinois, at least not as soon as this uh, bill gets the governor's signature. If, that, uh, if this law goes through, and I have no reason to believe it won't, if this law goes through, if you're, a person living in, if you're an individual living in Illinois, you will no longer be able to purchase wine on the Internet. You won't even be able to pick up the phone and call Ohio. What's their and reason buy wine. for this? What do, What do you think the reason is? Well, Mark? I know that the, I know that they intend to. Um, you know, it's a protectionist racket in order right. to. Uh, you know, prevent it, it to, to feed business to the uh, right. local uh, wine purveyors. That's the reason. In Illinois. The, the local wine distributors politically connected. They got this bill passed. Who knows what they did? You know, gave some free wine to the uh, legislators or whatever. They got this bill passed in order to guarantee themselves in business. It's typical. And uh, Demi Love's pretty upset because no one in Illinois appears to be talking about it. The Chicago Tribune, sometimes uh, the Chicago talk radio stations, they're uh, keeping mum on this issue. He says, what I'd love to ask you is how do you get the word out to the larger big media about your point of view? Do you ever feel the temptation to soft-pedal some of your uh, more dramatic ideas if it means getting you an interview for a show or newspaper with large ratings? Well, first off, no one has ever come to me and said, Ian, we'd love to do an interview with you, but only if you promise not to talk about A, B, or C. That's never happened. So that option has never been put in front of me. Would I soft-pedal it if it would get me a, a major news interview? Hmm, probably. You know, I mean, we can, have, we can do interviews and address other issues and not go there if necessary. If that's going to get us extra publicity, I would do that. Same here. Uh, since you've worked in the media, he says, maybe you can give me some insight into how and why certain issues get covered by big-time media and how to get these editors' attention. I'm currently reading uh, the, the book by the guy who started FARC, Drew Curtis, who I actually contacted a couple months ago, and he said he wasn't doing any, any interviews until the book came out, so maybe I should follow up with him get it back on the show. Um, and he says it's very eye-opening, talking about how the big media, that's what his book's about, is how you know the big media selects stories versus sort of this uh, diffuse internet world where the users, um, this web 2.0 concept where the users create the content and select the content that they like the best on sites like dig.com and mm -hmm. FARC and that sort of thing. And um, 
how do these issues get covered? That's his question. How does the big media? How do the big media people make their decisions? I I can't really give you any insight because I've worked in radio and. I don't know if you could really call the radio stations I've worked for big media, um, but as I understand it, the, in a, in any given TV station, there's there's somebody who is the news desk, they're the news uh, assignment editor or whatever, and it's their job to say, Mark, I want you to go out and cover so and so today, or something like that, or or you know, reporters come up and you you might come to me as the news uh, news editor, uh, and you'll say. Mr. News Editor, I've got this great story about blah, 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 and you pitch me the idea, and I say, no, nah, that sucks. Find me something else, or whatever. And uh, so there's there's usually just one guy. There's one gatekeeper who's making the decisions as to what goes on and, and what doesn't. And it may simply be that it hasn't been brought in front of him. I think that largely it's a belief system um, inside the media, and, and you know it's pervasive um, there with the public. In the case of this uh, this wine law um, that they're they're proposing to, uh, to, to pass it's sitting on the governor's desk you know um, it's not sexy in the sense that freedom isn't sexy people having a choice in the things they buy isn't really uh, sexy from a news standpoint it doesn't have a lot of zip whereas buying locally for some reason mm. that does now I'm not I'm not telling you why but for some reason people out there there's there's this uh, gospel of buying locally it's a bunch of crap. Because it absolutely is. Look, I'm supposed to buy locally from the local Honda dealer? Am I supposed to buy locally um, and buy, you know, am I supposed to go to a mom and pop store and buy a Braun electric shaver made in Germany? Now, look, if this buy locally was something that people actually stuck to, then here in New Hampshire, um, you know, the car dealers that want me to buy locally would buy locally New Hampshire manufactured cars. Of which there are none. Well, hold on. What if I start a car manufacturer here in New Hampshire? Would every car dealer in New Hampshire, Vermont, and uh, Maine be responsible for buying only their cars from me? If you passed a law, they would. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Is this just, it's just trying to limit people. Look. Yep. There's, a, there's a marketplace out there, and you have to compete. If one of the ways you compete is that um, we bring money in, into the, the local environment, well, that's fine and dandy, but don't pass laws on it. So, again, how does it work? Some people will tell you that there's a conspiracy, uh, that the news media is controlled by a select group of individuals uh, around the world, and there's some sort of edicts coming down from on high as to which stories to cover and which to not. I find that really hard to believe. There are so many potential stories out there to cover. It doesn't make sense that Rupert Murdoch is sitting up in his office in wherever the hell he lives and uh, picking the news for, you know, Illinois or Ohio, or your local TV station, or your local radio station. It just doesn't make sense. Um, So you can believe the conspiracy if you want to, but I think the fact is there's just some guy who's really busy down at your local uh, television station. He's the news editor. He's got people pulling his his arms and his fingers, and they want him to go five different directions, and they've got, you know, he's got 20 different stories in front of him. He's trying to decide what to do, and which which stories has has the best sizzle, which are the sexiest stories. So, what you might want to do or consider doing is to foster a bit of a little relationship as a, sort of like a news hound for your local TV station. Try to get to know who the news editor is. Um, all you have to do is call up and ask, who's your, who's the, who decides what goes on the air? Oh, well, that's the news editor or whatever the name of the position is at your local TV station. So get that information. Um, get in touch with the person. Don't pester him. Don't make him hate you. Don't make him not want to hear from you. But let him know that you you know, you know, might be a potential source for story ideas. Or pitch him a couple ideas and see what his response is. If he's a jerk, well, you might as well give up. Or check back a year later and see if he's been fired. 
Uh, but if he's receptive to them, then great. Then will that guarantee you get your story on the air? No, not necessarily. But will it mean he's seeing your suggestions and considering them? Yeah. And eventually, he might just see something he likes. In the meantime, all you can do to, to, to combat the lack of this coverage is to get online and create your own blogs and support the websites that do actually cover the news that you want to hear and shows like Free Talk Live as well. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features for free. Live streams are there. A broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well, waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. I've got another email that ties into the news media, but I'm going to put that on hold as we go to some phone calls here and talk to Bill in New Hampshire on the Amplifier line. Hello, Bill. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. One of the newest movers to New Hampshire. Extra congratulations in order for you. Uh, but what's on your mind tonight, sir? I uh, just wanted to thank you guys for, you know, stopping by and taking part in the move-in party. Yes, it was, uh, uh, it was a pleasure eating your food. Sure, no problem. There's, there's plenty more, and I would imagine that, you know, Mark's mom is probably quite worried about him since uh, you probably don't pay him very well, and, you know, I think he might, you know... Oh, no, I pay Mark very, very well. Yeah. Oh, it's you Ian, do? It's Ian that doesn't get paid very well. Mark <laughs> makes 90% of every paycheck he brings in. Okay. Yeah, um, Mark's doing fine. I was, just wonder, I was just wondering if you guys uh, had heard about uh, the uh, program on Showtime. It's called In Pot We Trust. No. I haven't. I, I know about Weeds, which is uh, another fantastic show on uh, Showtime. Um, but what is this? Is it a documentary or, or what? It's, it's, it's a documentary, and it's sort of put together with a bunch of little vignettes of different people who uh, either are using uh, ma- marijuana for medical purposes or trying hmm. ma- medical mar- marijuana for the first time. Um, and, you know, one of the really interesting cases that they have is this uh, lady called Jacqueline Patterson, who's got uh, severe cerebral palsy, and she's got really just what can only be described as a, a crippling stutter. I mean, Ooh. it takes her forever to get anything out. And, you know, they sort of follow her around, and, you know, she's a, a mom of four, single mom, so, you know, life's pretty difficult for her, and, you know, it just, just slows her down to the point where it's, it's really ineffective for her to do anything. And then they show her, you know, pretty much lighting up on camera, and we're talking within seconds. You know, her her stutters much, much more manageable. Really? Uh, you know, hmm. She speaks very clearly, very easily. Uh, she's got you know, a, a tremendous sort of muscular contraction in her right arm, and that starts to go away. Hmm. It's it's really amazing, and it's it kind of, you know, puts a real human face on these people yeah. and get, got me very angry at the people who, who want to throw people like that in jail simply for looking for something that is going to make their lives better. 
Absolutely. I personally have encountered people uh, like her, not necessarily with the exact same problems, but I've always been amazed at the wide variety of medical issues that marijuana can can really, truly help people um, get, a, get a hold of. Um, I know that, that my girlfriend, uh, when she has, uh, she, you know, she's on that, it's that time of the month, and she's got some some excruciating pain going on down there. Um, marijuana helps her out. It, it helps relieve that pain, whereas she can pop herself full of all kinds of uh, pain pills, and they just don't do the trick. So and not only have I seen it personally in my life, but I've also known others uh, who have had uh, crippling sort of situations, and man, they swear by pot. It's not like they, they're doing it to get high. Um, they just... They, they really just it really helps them feel better and i think it really it helps strike home with people when they can really see somebody in real life who really does benefit from it and uh, they sort of help wipe away that pot stereotype of well you're just a bunch of people that want to get high well to counter that i personally know uh some people who use med- uh, medical marijuana and they use it so extensively and have used it for so long that, you know, they've looked at me and said, I haven't, you know, gotten a buzz in like a decade. Really? It just, it, it ceases to do that after a while, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're on it all day long, then you you won't ever notice the effects. So Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the other people, I guess, at the interview on, on this movie is one of these people who gets uh, marijuana legally from the federal government. There actually was a, a short program where they decided that they were going to disperse uh, like 300 marijuana cigarettes a month or something like that to, mm-hmm. you know, a, a select few people. Yeah, literally a and, handful of people. I think seven or eight people got it. Yeah, and it's it's astonishing, you know, when when you listen to the amount that this guy smokes every day. I, I think I'd probably be flat on my face on the pavement. But, you know, he's driving around Washington, D.C., Standing in front of the Capitol building, lighting up a joint. Yep, amazing, it's, it's pretty and amazing. So the uh, the show was called what again? It's called In Pot We Trust. Very good. And in fact, I was poking around. It does look like it's uh, just a one time documentary. It's not a series. It's just uh, just a just a film, basically, right? Right. Okay, great. I think people should go and see that, especially people that are on the fence. I mean, if there if there's anybody in our audience that's on the fence still about marijuana, this sounds like it would be a great thing. And I myself am going to go uh, hunt around for it, maybe on. Black, yeah, it would maybe. be good. And even even if you can't get Showtime, I believe like everything else, uh, there's a torrent available. Indeed, sir. Anything else in your mind, Bill? That's about it. Thanks for the call, dude. Really appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The show is uh, In Pot We Trust. Let's continue with the phone calls. Talk to Mike in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Mike? Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. What's up? I'm one of the guys that organizes the Freedom Rally in Boston. What is the Freedom Rally? I'm not uh, familiar with that. It's uh, the Mass Kid Normal Freedom Rally. Oh, that. Yes, yes. I'm I'm aware of that. Our 18th annual. Oh, great. I know the Free State Project uh, usually has a booth there every year. They definitely do. Yeah, they're there every year. Great. Yeah, we we got a big crowd down there, so I want to make sure you guys are coming down. Well, you know, know what? You should, call, you, should, uh, you should send me an email about that if you're serious about it, and we can certainly yeah. talk about that off the air. But uh, what, was, what was on your, your mind tonight, Mike? Uh, you guys were talking about the media earlier, and, you know, one of the stories that I saw today was about uh, Pearl Jam. And AT&T, I don't know if you saw this story. I spotted it. Can you go ahead and uh, recount it for our uh, listeners? Yeah, a lot of developments, you know. It's kind of like online, you see people kind of breaking the story. And, you know, basically they play this Lollapalooza in uh, Chicago, Eddie Vedder's hometown. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, you know, there's some comments in the show where he actually swore and they didn't edit it. And it's a live taped 
you know, simulcast on AT&T. And, and near the end of the show, Eddie Vedder, I guess, said uh, some words about George Bush. Okay. And they edited it out of the, you know, out of the, out of the webcast. So, so they won't, so well, in, they won't uh, edit out the F-bomb, but they will edit out things about George <laughs> exactly, Bush? Exactly, yes. And it was tame stuff. I mean, stuff that they've been saying for a long time. Sure. I mean, this was huge for Pearl Jam in a way because it got all this media. And I think that's the key is, uh, you know, when these things come up, you just got to kind of, you know, Pearl Jam, I guess the same thing happened to Tom Morello. That's one of the developments. Like, they've been doing this for a while, AT&T, apparently. Censoring people, and, you mean? And George Bush is helping them out. For, for these uh, civil suits, for the e, you know, for the uh, for the uh, illegal wiretaps. Sure, yeah, you so, scratch, you know, scratch it. Yeah. So it's always back scratching going on, mutual back scratching. So yeah, so uh, no I thought that was an interesting story, and like AT and T couldn't be any, you know, they're trying to do that to Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. It's, yeah, that's probably not going to result in uh, in Pearl Jam ever wanting to do business with them again. That's true. Ugh, sorry to hear about that, man. Anything else on your mind? But, uh, that that was it. I just thought that was interesting that, you know, it, when something, you know, when people talk about how you get involved in the media, you, you set up a blog and you talk about these things. And, uh, you know, whether it's at the Freedom Rally where we get harassed by the Boston police, you know, mm-hmm. you set up your website and you talk about it and you document it. And the mainstream media is controlled, but the local media oftentimes isn't. And, and shows like this and... Local media, that's who you get friends with, and that's how you, you know, you get Absolutely. the word out. So. And, so. and the, you know, the, uh, the decentralization that's happening to media in this world today is really an important force and really something to, uh, to become a part of. You know, if you're angry, you should get your own blog and start talking about it. doesn't mean that you're going to have a huge uh, bunch of people looking at your blog to, to begin with, but if you don't get out there and create the content, if you aren't out there creating your own videos and uploading them to YouTube, then no one's ever going to see them. Right. If you're not much of a writer, you can start a, um, you know, a podcast or a video podcast or something like that, you, you know, wherever your talents lie. Right. But if people are interested in your product, that's the way you build, um, you know, sort of media media consumers and build the demand for your product. Very good, Mike. Great hearing from you. Shoot me an email on the uh, the organization or the event if you want to continue discussing that. 800-259-9231, and thank you for the call. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Gardner Goldsmith has dropped in, and I guess he's going to be hanging out for the rest of the show. We'll bring him in here in moments and talk to you, of course, about whatever's on your mind. we still got Dave in Montana. We'll take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And now guard. Oh, actually, and let me turn Guard's mic on. And now Guard. That helps. And Mark. Thanks. All right, 800-259-9231. Guard uh, has had a very, very busy week. He normally joins us on Monday nights. Uh, if I get a chance to have you on the show, I, I called you up. I said, you know, if you want to come on Thursday, you're welcome to. He said he can only be here for an hour and a half. I said, well, okay, if you want to come out, because you drive an hour and a half to get here, man. If, you, if that's what you want to do, you're welcome to always welcome to be in the third chair. That was a great call, Ian. I really appreciate it. It's always good Thanks. having you on the show. I know you've had a busy week um, behind the scenes at yeah. some local radio stations. There's some 
discussions going on. I don't think yeah. we can say much beyond that. But uh, Garter Goldsmith, in case you don't know, is a, uh, a New Hampshire-based radio personality who's been sort of in and out of various different radio stations across the state. And that's how radio business works, right? Yeah. Don't they say you don't really work in radio until you've been fired for the At first time? At least once. <laughs> so, right. And you really, you've sort of parted terms pretty, pretty, on pretty positive terms with uh, at least, I think, most of the stations yeah. you've, you've yeah. worked with. And uh, so there's some other stations in the state that are now looking at carrying your show. Yeah. And it'll get you back on the air locally uh, five days a week. I think it's a great possibility for you. I think it's something that I, I you know, I've got my fingers crossed for you. And I, and I hope you can make it work because uh, more Gardner means more Liberty people coming, you know, more new people coming across the message of freedom, especially here in New Hampshire, where it's extra critical that that happens. Happens. Yeah, so right. uh, it's it's very important. Uh, let's continue though with the phone calls because you are joining us uh, mid-show. Uh, we're, we were talking about the media and the war on drugs and this new law in Illinois that is apparently making it so people in Illinois can no longer order wine from outside of their state. They have to order it from uh, wine distributors inside the state. It's the kind of things we're discussing tonight. We'll take your calls about anything, of course, at 800-259-9231. Also, you need to know that you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Let's go to Dave in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Howdy, guys. Hey, what's Uh, on your mind? I'd like to uh, comment on the wine and the war on drugs. But first, I'd like to say something about what uh, Ian was talking about last night, about calling in on radio stations and getting a buzz off of that, kind of like a fire is adrenaline. Yeah. I want to attest to that. (laughs) And I used to uh, catapult and arrest F-4 Phantom Fighter jets in 1974 and 1975. I'd have to run up to these jets with afterburners, 40-foot afterburners, and your eyeballs vibrate in your head, they're so loud. Whoa. And you get like an adrenaline high doing it. And calling up the radio station is just like running up <laughs> to a F 4 Phantom <laughs> fighter jet. I'm telling that's you. Some great that's some great imagery, why Dave. I do it, huh? That's some great imagery, sir. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, an exciting job. And I tell you, there's nothing else that could replace it except running up to an F 4 Phantom jet or a Mack truck doing 70 miles an hour. We're calling in on a radio station. We're glad you're here. So what's on your mind tonight? And uh, the wine thing in Illinois is all about tax evasion. They don't. They want their tax on that alcohol. They're doing the same thing up here in Montana for cigarettes. Are they People really? People are getting like a $1,300 bill in the mail from the state of Montana <sighs> because they find out they're buying cigarettes from an Indian uh, reservation in New York State or something over the Internet. Oh, God and forbid they're getting people... ratted out by somebody. I don't know. I think it, it's the companies that. But uh, and then the war wow. on drugs. You know, like the Saint Valentine's Day massacre finally brought prohibition to the end, right? How many people gotta die in this war on drugs until they get it through their thick skulls? They ain't gonna do nothing about the people wanting to do these things. They should. It needs reformation totally. There's so much money being wasted on this. Billions mm. upon billions upon billions of dollars. Million of people in jail. Our infrastructure is falling apart. They're wondering where they're going to get the money. The money chasing it. The money running all of this stuff. It's. It's just. It's got to be addressed. 
Money's being wasted. Lives are being thrown away. And I love your question about how many more people have to die. How many more people have to rot in jail cells? It only took seven for the St. Valentine's Day massacre for the violence and the, and the murder and the corruption. I want to yell Serpico. And people it's open their eyes. It's all about the cops and the politicians making money off of the drugs being illegal, and we got to stop it. Serpico. Yeah, Serpico, they're the real criminals. Serpico. David, thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. The people that are operating in the black market, while many of them are violent and dangerous, the real criminal element in society are the people who are, pro- are that are prohibiting products and services. And you know, Ian, uh, I have heard conversations like this before out on some of the television networks like Fox News and so on. And sometimes Mm -hmm. some of the hosts will bring up examples. They'll say, well, you know, they tried that in Switzerland and uh, they didn't allow it in certain areas. They allowed it in in, uh, some of the major cities. And you should see those major cities. They got heroin zombies walking around. (laughs) Well, yeah. Why do you think they have all the people congregating in those areas? Because you have disallowed it in all the other areas. And so you make it unnatural for them to be able to stick around, they've got to all congregate in a certain area. If you did yep. the same thing with alcohol, you'd have a bunch of winos in the downtown area. Right. What do you think? It's government again. If Get you, out of the way. If you made one area in each state, one square mile, um, you know, made it legal to do drugs there, that area would stink. Yeah. It'd be awful. Exactly. Because, you know, a bunch of people would be going, you know, a bunch of, you know, disreputable drug users would be going mm-hmm. there. By the way, there would still be people using drugs illegally outside because yeah. a lot of um, you know these normal drug users or whatever would not want to be associated. They wouldn't want to be seen in Heroin Park or whatever. Right. It is. Absolutely. You wouldn't want to get stabbed in Heroin Park. Right. In the meantime, you won't hear any of these people on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC mention how violent crime rates are dropped in certain areas because they don't have these people going after people's money and things like that. Instead, they're down in these areas where they're sort of strung out and so on, but they're not right. trying to get people. They have uh, the, again, ways that they can get their drugs. It's in, a in problem with the government's solution. Yeah, it's, it's not, not even... Uh, yeah, they they still have prohibition, essentially. Yeah. It's not legalization in any way or decriminalization. You're absolutely right. Um, th- that's what we really need to do. We really need to have somebody have the courage to put forth a bill that would really decriminalize marijuana and cocaine and everything else and then let the market decide how to handle that. Let private property owners decide how to handle it. If you don't want strung out people on your property, don't allow them there. (laughs) Use your discretion and say, get out. When I went, you know, when I uh, was riding my bike yesterday, stopping off to drop a movie off at uh, the video store, there's a little uh, bagel shop next to it, and it says very clearly on the front door, no shoes, no service. You know, if you are barefooted, you are not going to be allowed in our store. It doesn't really make much sense, but that's their rule. Well, that's that's a state mandate. No, it's not. I believe it is. Um, I believe that's an individual uh, business owner's decision. Otherwise, why wouldn't you see that on every single person's door? Okay? I think you're mistaken. Well, uh, you should prove me wrong on that then, Mark, because I think you're wrong about that. Uh, the fact is business owners can, uh, you know, if they, if they want you wearing a shirt when you walk in, that's another thing. I don't think that's a state mandate either, Mark. There are some businesses that want to have you with a shirt on when you walk in there. And if you don't have a shirt on, somebody's going to approach you and say, excuse me, sir, we need you to, we need to ask you to leave the store and return when you when you're properly dressed. And so just let people decide for themselves who to allow in and who not to. Yeah. Yeah, especially work. if it's like Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Let's you go know. to Victor in Arizona. Victor, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, yeah, this is Victor. Yes, hey, Victor. Victor. What's on your mind? 
Well, I just wanted to talk about uh, illegal immigration. Certainly. And uh, I want to thank you guys for being big supporters of people that come here. Yes, uh, somebody has to do it, and uh, we're happy to be in the minority. So, yeah, I came here when I was 10. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we are very hardworking people. I own a restaurant. and um, Excellent. Hire a lot of people that come from Mexico. Good for you. And uh, my mother owns a clinic, and uh, we help people with leprosy, and uh, we cook dog. <laughs> That's funny, Victor. Very funny. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You know, I don't necessarily have an objection with people cooking dogs. I mean, you've got, there's a lot of dogs in the streets, and they're going to die ugly, starvation-related deaths, and in many cases, they'll just be put out of their misery by um, the, you know, the pound or whatever. I say instead of giving uh, food stamps to poor people, that we just give them euthanized dogs from the Humane Society. <laughs> wow. And, you know, it <laughs> brings cruel? to mind that whole Michael Vick thing and, and you know, what the we were fighting? talking about last time. Yeah, when I was over here with you guys before, uh, talking about how, you know, we seem to have selective vision when we think about ethics for animals and things like that, certain animals. And I, you know, I, I'm the same way. You know, I'll eat... I was eating a hot dog on the way over here. I know that that came from something mm. living that had feelings, uh, and they were pretty bright creatures. Those those pigs, they say, they say they're very intelligent. They are absolutely, you know, and smarter than dogs. Yeah, pigs, uh, pigs, and dolphins, and uh, and chimpanzees are pretty much the smartest uh, creatures in the world they, wow. beyond people. Well, they certainly beat congressmen. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hour number three is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything still to t- uh, still to come. We'll discuss the media. Also, Mark, you've got a story about a man who was fined or ticketed for wearing, was it an impeach Bush, uh, peach, impeach Bush shirt? Not wearing. He had a uh, More on the way. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves as we launch into hour number three of the program, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. Oh, goodness, Gardner. I'm so sorry. Gardner Goldsmith joining us as well. Hello, Gardner. Hello, Ian. I am here. Thank you very much. And And Mark. All right. Very good. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. We're going to jump into the email box here in moments. And, Mark, you've got a story about a man who had an impeach Bush sign and was ticketed for it. Have that ready. We're going to the phones first, though, to Johnson in Connecticut on the amplifier line. Yeah, I heard you pre-sell that story that Mark has. And uh, I sort of – I just wanted to call. Um, I was driving home from work today and saw a, a gentleman in an SUV being pulled over for, you know, and I saw him get pulled over because it was sort of, uh, you know, right before a light and uh, was in traffic. Mm-hmm. And then as I was passing it, it, it really dawned on me that the only reason he was being pulled over is because on the back of his car he had these sort of homemade bumper stickers that were made out of sort of folded printer paper and, and clear tape taped onto the, his back window of his car. And one of them, I only got the chance to read one as I was driving by track, like said, um, the only thing we have to fear is the Bush administration itself or something like that. <laughs> and... Uh, I, you know, it just, it dawned on me that the only reason this guy is being pulled over is because this cop doesn't like him because of that sticker. Well, now, you're presuming I could be wrong that. about that. It's sort of, certainly speculation, but 
here's the thing. It's a state trooper pulling the guy over out of his jurisdiction. This was not a state road. This was not a highway. What is this state trooper doing pulling this guy over in a local police officer's uh, uh, jurisdiction? I've seen that happen a lot. It couldn't have been even any sort of a major uh, uh, infraction because I didn't see the guy do anything. Well, you know, it might have been like not signaling to change lanes or something like that. How long were you behind them uh, before you noticed them getting pulled over? Uh, not, you know, just, I mean, it was everybody sort of in line for a red light. Mm. Gotcha. It's too bad that that man didn't have a cell phone and he could have called the pork 411 the way Dave Ridley was able yeah. to when he got stopped for holding his gun out. And, uh, it is a damn shame. Great. Have you seen that video, yeah. Gardner? It's a great video. Yeah. Oh, man, it's great. Um, So, yeah, it's certainly was, speculative, Gardner, but, uh, yeah. or rather uh, Johnson, but uh, interesting, interesting nonetheless. Well, what I, you know, I almost got myself in dr- trouble because, you know, I, yes, as I was speculating, it still it irritated me. I mean, I believed that that guy was being pulled over for no good reason. And as I was driving by, I drive, you know, I have my windows open when I'm driving now because it's warm out for the summer and I'm not really using my air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I drove by, uh, I was about two feet from the police officer and I sort of muddled, muttered, but Certainly audibly to both the police officer and the driver, effing fascist pig, because I was driving by. You know, I'm driving by, I'm out of there, and he stopped and whatever. So You know, this would have been a perfect opportunity for a uh, spontaneous cop watch. Um, if you had, for instance, a video camera in your vehicle, you would have been able to pull over to the side of the road and come to that motorist's assistance by videotaping the scene. Uh, it's still risky to do when you're by yourself. Oh, yeah. But if you are on the side of a public road, it's better than being, you know, in the, down a dark alley or something like that. The other thing is you'd want to make sure, you know, and, and so this is cop watch. I'd, I'd want to say, you know, for anybody who's planning on doing cop watch, make sure that you have a uh, uh, a shotgun microphone on your camera because mm-hmm. if you have a regular mic and you're going to try and – because I'm assuming that most people who are going to try and do a, a cop watch type of uh, thing are probably going to want to keep a little bit of distance. You don't want to get yeah. right up in there with the police because, uh, you know, who knows what will happen to you. But uh, if you don't have that, then you're not really going to get any sort of sound, and uh, the video is going to be pretty pretty worthless unless the cop does something outrageous, like starts beating the guy. Well, obviously that's, I mean, the cop watch is more of a preventative thing than anything else, and I I agree with you as far as video production quality is concerned. If you can have better equipment, that's good, but having anything is better than nothing, and I mean, not a lot of people have have, uh, the money to have really good equipment. Well, Um, I'm not not even saying have great equipment. I mean, a shotgun, you can get a shotgun mic. If you can afford a video camera, you can definitely afford a shotgun mic because you can get one of those. Yeah, but how many how many, how many consumer cameras can you mount a shotgun mic to? I don't know if there's very many of them. Uh, you don't need to mount it necessarily. I mean, you can hold it, but then you've you you know, then you've it. lost a hand. Or then there's also the wonder of the uh, handyman's secret weapon, which is duct tape. Duct tape. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> get get original and get creative. No doubt about it. Either way, um, better to have a camera with you in your vehicle so you can pull it out at a moment's notice and and come to the aid of some random person. Also, um, having a business card or something like that might also be helpful, like a, a cop watch business card uh, that you could hand to the person. And uh, like when uh, here in New Hampshire, we were having uh, there was I think there was some sort of protest going on at the post office and Julia and I were there I had my video camera with me noticed a cop 
pulled somebody over on the side of the road down the street away. So we walked down there and did a little impromptu cop watch and recorded the scene. The cop didn't say anything to us. And while the cop went back up to his car, I approached the driver's window, uh, approached the passenger window and sort of motioned for her to roll it down. I handed her my uh, freekeen.com business card and said, hey, I just wanted to uh, to let you know, you know, what, what we're here to do. We're here with, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're here to record the situation. If that's okay with you, I wanted to make sure that was okay with her. She said, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. That's and I said, I wanted to make sure you know that you can refuse searches. And she said, no, you know, I didn't know that. And so I just want to make that clear to you. You just say no to searches, gave her my card, and we stepped back and continued recording the scene. So I felt like, you know, I helped I helped somebody possibly refuse a search. I don't know if he asked to search because we were too far away to actually hear what he was saying. Even if, I mean, I couldn't even hear what the cop was saying, so oh. a shotgun mic wouldn't have helped in and that case. And, you know, given the unusual nature of what you did, she'll probably mention that to a few other people and mm-hmm. say, you know, the wildest thing happened to me today. Somebody came up and I learned this. Yep. Did you know that? That's it's, neat. It's the little things that you can do. It's one person at a time. That's the way that we're going to change people's hearts and minds. Johnson, Absolutely. any other thoughts? Yeah, I've just got a quick question for you. I just heard this, and, uh, you know, this is something I don't know if it's breaking news or whatnot. But I just heard this on uh, the news break that your uh, syndicate, GCN, uh, runs. Not, I know not all the stations pick it up. He, he's basically saying that uh, apparently the United States had plans to close Guantanamo Bay, but apparently they can't meet those plans because other nations don't want to house these killers. And I guess that's his excuse, <laughs> uh, which I find really funny is, well, why, Bush, can't we house them actually there in the United go. States? Exactly. What's, the, what's the problem? Why can't we bring them here? Because have to we take have them to, to court. try them? Yeah. Exactly. Yep, you're uh, exactly right. Thanks, Johnson. Appreciate the call, sir. 800-259-9231 for your comments or whatever you want to bring up. Mark, um, since he sort of uh, brought us into your story, let's get into it. The man with the impeach Bush sign. What it, happened to him? It's here. um in in Kent from the, let's see, Plain Deal, Dealer Reporter, a soft-spoken teacher posted the words, Impeach Bush, in a public garden, and a Kent police officer cast him as an outlaw. Today, Kevin Egler is fi- um, fighting that in Kent Municipal Court, and the case is emerging as a free speech issue of interest as well as beyond the boundaries of Placid Portage County. Police uh, ticketed Egler for unlawfully advertising in a public place because he put a freestanding sign near the intersection of, well, an intersection, right, and Main Street. (laughs) Egler said that the officer who cited him on July the 25th asked, why don't you put the sign in your own yard? Egler said his response was that he's a taxpayer and he views the public space very much as his own yard. At 45, Egler is too young to have experienced the heyday of an anti-war activity in Kent. He was the he was only eight when the Ohio National Guardsmen shot and killed four Kent State University students during mm. a campus protest, 1970. He went um, to the university a decade later, putting out an underground newspaper and acquiring an accounting degree. Egler and about a dozen friends and associates have uh, placed hundreds of anti-war messages around Ohio and neighboring states over the past 10 months. He said the effort is fueled by the notion that President Bush's military response after 9-11 terrorist attacks is both illegal and and immoral. The ticket in uh, Kent represents the first serious legal challenge to the campaign, Egler said. Egler said that um, when he was stopped in Kent, he asked the police officer how his sign differed from realtors posting signs on public property saying, This way for an open house. He said the officer said, you don't know the difference, but never explained what it might be. <laughs> oh, wow. It's well, different because I said so. Right, because <laughs> I'm giving you a ticket. That's why it's different. Yeah. 
It's well, not even really advertising. I mean, with a realtor, you are advertising something. Mm-hmm. With an impeach Bush sign, that's a political opinion. It's a call, call to action. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I would have thought that a more appropriate charge would have been littering. It actually, he had some problems with that in uh, Columbus. Apparently, one of his signs blew over, uh, you know, blew off a bridge and all that kind of stuff. So he got a littering, char- uh, littering ticket. All right, because, I mean, this is really more of a pro- uh, public property issue than anything else. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. What's on your mind? This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. That's the place to go. All the features are for free. And those include updates. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That is updates. Dot freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our site, it is totally free. Now, Mark, you were we were talking about a story out of, was it Ohio? Mm-hmm. Where a man had posted a sign in a public garden, and the sign was an impeach Bush sign. I don't know how it was. That, was he caught red-handed doing it, or did did he have his a phone number on it or something? How did the cops track him down? Uh, it's, it's not clear. Not made that clear. Well, presumably, maybe he put like a maybe the sign was paid for by so and so or something like that. Maybe he put some identifying info on it because he posted this sign in this public garden, and then the cops came after him and hit him with a ticket for what was it unlawful advertising, something like that. Yeah, essentially. I don't know what it was he was advertising besides an idea. I don't know if that really counts as advertising. It seems to me like it'd be more of a littering thing. I mean, this is a garden. You're supposed to be planting trees and uh, flowers and things like that here. You're not supposed to be planting signs. I mean, if it was a sign garden, then... I mean. How would it be if a bunch of people came and put their favorite sign in the garden? Then it'd just be a whole bunch of signs and there'd be no no more plants left. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say that if you have a public garden that only plants should be placed in it. I don't think that's too unreasonable. Um, but nonetheless, I do sympathize with the guy. Obviously, he was being targeted to to, uh, to some extent. But nonetheless, this seems to be uh, to me to be an issue about public property more so than anything else in that when you're dealing with public property or so-called public property, it's really government-run property. When you're dealing with government-run property, sort of the the mindset is that we all own a piece of it, <laughs> which it's not really true. Yeah, it's poppycock. Right. right. Because if that were true, then the man would have been able to post his sign there. He'd be able to post no his issue. sign there. He'd be able to dump his garbage there. He'd be right. able to, uh, you know, meditate in the nude there. Yeah. You know, it's not his property. Just like posting a menorah so, or a Christmas tree or any of those sorts of things. You get right. the public property, you, you have to reduce it to the lowest common denominator. You either allow everything or don't allow anything. Exactly right. So that's why we need to get... Uh, public property out of the hands of the government and turn it over to private owners. Now, does that mean that private owners will always mean the private the property is private uh, in that you won't be able to access it? No, of course not. Yeah. There will be plenty of private property owners that want to open their property to the public for purposes like having a nice garden or purposes of having a, a park that's open to the public or, or whatever. Um, and so let's let uh, private people and private organizations and charitable groups and companies decide how to use property instead of the government. That way, if you want to start your own little garden and let people come in there, and if you want to allow them to post signs, then then you can make that decision for yourself instead of having some arbitrary cop uh, come along and, and decide, I don't like that sign, so I'm going to go after you for it. Yeah. 
So that's what we're dealing with here. It's it's a public property. The tragedy of the commons, as you they call it. You got it. Oh, yeah. Let's continue with the phone calls here and go to... It's Matthew listening on WPLM. Hello, Matthew. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey. Hi. Uh, you guys sound like communists. You well, don't love communists. America? What? You don't, you don't love America? <laughs> <laughs> you are being facetious, Yes, I he is. Yes, yes I am being facetious. <laughs> Matthew, you're not only uh, really listening on the Internet. Are you actually uh, listening to our radio affiliate down there? Yeah, uh, in Concord. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's actually not Matt. that's actually not PLM. That's uh, WBNW, but uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, same same company. Right, and um, great. You're not, not having to listen over the computer. Um, cool, cool. Yeah. But, so, what's uh, on your mind tonight, sir? Anyway, so I got I got pulled over by the cops tonight. Uh oh. Um, and uh, you weren't the guy with today. the homemade bumper stickers, were you? No. Oh, okay. Uh, but I do have the Free State Project bumper sticker and the uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson one, but I don't think that was it. It's hmm. the, it was that I didn't have a front uh, license plate. Oh, jeez. My, uh, my front bumper. How long and, have you uh, not had the front license plate? For years. Really? And they've not pulled you over yet until now? Until now, yeah. Well, you know, you're really uh, harming a lot of other people by not putting that on there. You know that, I don't know. You? It's, yeah. I, yeah, it's... He's making state bureaucrats cry, Gardner. <laughs> you know, I can see why they want, why, um, you know, the law enforcement community wants to have uh, vehicles numbered with license plates. That makes sense to me. In case somebody's uh, committing a robbery, um, you, having a number on the back or even on the back of the front of a vehicle makes perfectly good sense so you'll sure. be able to find that vehicle and mm-hmm. track it down. What bothers me about license plates is a little sticker you have to pay for every single year in order to keep your number up to date. Wait a minute. My number's still my number. Why do I need <laughs> I a know. sticker to keep it up yeah. to date? And you know, Mark, it's, it's interesting you should bring it up because if we were in a private paradigm, they might end up having rules that might be very similar. You know, if we had private roads or private communities, we'd say, hey, you know what? Uh, as an added, added level of security, we'd like to have numbers so that our security guys can sort of recognize who you are or, sure. or that you're you know, they can track you down if you do something bad. It facilitates crime stopping or whatever. Right. If you want to be insured, you have to put this number on the back yeah. of your car. Yeah, but there's something missing from this calculus in the government side, and that is, uh, let me see, it starts with a C. Oh, yeah, choice. That's right, choice. I, Customer service. You know, there's yeah. another one that starts with yeah. a C. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's so frustrating because in many cases, many people who want the government to do certain things because they want to feel secure, they are afraid to not allow government to do these things, but to allow private businesses to do these things, mm-hmm. when it, end, it would end up that private businesses might come up with similar sorts of rules and actually function in a more efficient way. So, right, um, but my main, my, but my main problem is 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 having to have a license plate. It's just another form of me not owning my property. It's true. Yeah, I, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't like any of that. Uh, that garbage, but um, well, I like to point out that um, here, um, up here in uh, New Hampshire, and you're in Massachusetts. I presume you've got the inspection stickers down there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, but in, you didn't have the inspection stickers up till like a year ago, wasn't it? In Florida, we never had inspection stickers. Uh, I mean, in, in New Hampshire. Oh, oh I know they've had no, them they've for a around. while. It's just this. There's, oh. there's a new way they're ripping them off, ripping, ripping us off with the inspections now because the government signed a contract 
with these people for uh, emissions testing that uh, they can't back out of now. Otherwise, it's a breach of contract. So we're all screwed. We all have to pay a lot more money for our emissions testing to get our stupid stickers. It's all a scam. Uh, But really, what is interesting is that in Florida, where we come from, there are no inspections. And there's only one license plate per car, and it's on the backside. So it's like your cars are owned three times as much here by the state because the state gets you on the front, they get you in the back, and they get your wind shield with the inspection sticker. There's state logos and state requirements all over your car up in the Northeast, whereas in down in Florida, believe it or not, the government manages to operate with just one uh, one license plate. Hey, here's a, here's a story for you guys. When I was a kid at like 10 years old or 11, I got pulled over by our town cop, the chief of police, for not having my bike inspected. What? What? Yeah, yeah. In in the lovely rustic oh, town of Amherst, where mm. everyone has their, their Are you serious? Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of such a thing. I was, I was riding my bike at my friend Dave Tiedemann's place. We were going to watch Star Blazers together. I missed the show because I got stopped by this cop, or I missed like half the show. And he pulls me over. I'm on my bike, and it, I hear this, woo, woo. <laughs> And I'm like, what the? And I, I pull over. My heart's racing. Like, what did I do? You know, does he think I, you know, shot something or stole something? What the heck? You know. So he pulls me over and he's like looking at me and stuff. And and so I said, what did I do, uh, Chief? And he said, he said, well, you. Your, your bike is not inspected. So from that point on, I always found out what color the little inspection stickers were. Then I cut out a piece of paper and, like, I, I laminated it and taped it own. on. Yeah, so nice. I never paid. Awesome. Hey, Matt, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Uh, let us know if there's any more details in your case as far as you not paying the fine or what you decide to do. 800-259-9231. we got to talk about the media. Frank in New York's on the line as well. And whatever you want to talk about, this is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The wiki's there, over 1,375 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. See what I mean by heading over to wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's free, of course. The Free State, excuse me, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. To the fun, Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Ah, good evening. Hey, uh, sir. What's up? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple questions. It, what's interesting about refusing a police search is that often, uh, if let's say you're on on the highway and you're in your car and the police want to uh, pull you over for something, let's just say you have a, a burnt out rear tail light, mm-hmm. and or then, at least they know, say that. Yeah. Well, you know, let's say that's the case. They pull you over and then they want to search your car, mm-hmm. and they ask for permission, and then you say no, you're not going to consent to the search. Right. Uh, please write the citation. Well, then. Often what they'll do is they will, uh, uh, you know, make another claim and then arrest you, kind of like you have the right to refuse your breathalyzer test, but if you do it, you're automatically, uh, 
you're automatically sort of guilty in the sense that they will take you directly to jail and uh, revoke your license, revoke your license, yeah. and then file additional charges against you. So, could you kind of explain that? How you can refuse the search? Well, you do it just as you said. I mean, you can't predict what the cop's going to do after that, if he's going to find some sort of trumped-up charge to uh, to bring you in on, or if he's going to threaten to bring out the dogs or whatever. Um, he can do that. He can detain you if he wants to. Um, he may, it may be on the flimsiest of excuses, but obviously he has the gun and you don't. Um, right. So you really just have to throw caution to the wind and refuse the search. You're certainly not going to get anywhere by accepting the search. They're going to definitely search you if you accept it. So if you refuse it, at least then there's a chance that uh, that they'll just move on and, and find an easier mark. And really the point of refusing the search is to show the cop that you know your rights and that you aren't someone to be messed with. Um, that won't necessarily, I don't think, be a guarantee every single time that the cop will back down, uh, but it certainly is better than nothing. Because, you know, I remember in the 1990s there were several cases, one went to the Supreme Court, whereby someone uh, was pulled over for some minor infraction, and then the police uh, uh, asked about a search, and the person said, no, you may not search my property. But they ended up doing it, and they found something mm. illegal. Well, I remember that uh, you know, they filed an appeal after going through the uh, local court, and the Supreme Court heard the, heard the case, and they said basically that uh, you know, unless the police had a warrant at the time, they did not have the right to search the person's trunk and you know that's correct the vehicle uh, because there was no uh, probable cause mm -hmm. you know for the most part. Uh, however, now though we're in a unique situation whereby we're we have a situation whereby we can do warrantless uh, wiretaps, warrantless uh, searches under the Patriot Act, the Homeland Security Act, mm -hmm. and the most recent provisions that uh, Congress and the Senate gave yes, uh, President Bush this weekend. So what I think is very interesting about this is that uh, ultimately it's sort of like uh, the TV show Cops. If you're in a situation, you're pulled over, you know, they're going to they're going to do what you want, even when the people refuse the search on cops. They always have some way of, you know, doing that. And do it, you it, ever, I didn't know. I mean, I don't watch cops that often, but whenever I've seen cops, they never show anyone refusing a search. Do they actually ever show that happening? Yeah, but then the point is someone says, well, you know, the other cop comes out around from the car and says, well, you know what? I see something here that, that looks like, oh, dear, safety. And then they open it and then they find out, you know, there's something that's illegal or illicit. And the person then confesses. To the mm. police officer, because the cops said, "We know if you tell us now, we're going to go a lot lighter on you." <laughs> the and they always walk away with, you know, the person in handcuffs, and you know, going uh, light on some quick, some quick remarks. So, in a sense, uh, I think you're very good about informing the people regarding the right to search. And I really wish we could get, like, maybe the Bar Association or the ACLU to issue some new guidelines on that, because you know. Uh, the police are going to hassle the people, especially in political situations. Sure. Yep. And I find it offensive that someone that has an impeach Bush sticker on their car is going to be, you know, uh, ticketed and cited for something uh, such as advertising, uh, when really we have the right to dissent. And... Uh, you know, this is—it's going to get a lot worse. I fear. It is getting we worse. We can impeach Bush. Yeah. 
You're right. Cabinet. Mm. Well, he's Thanks not going to get guys. impeached because, uh, thank you, Frank, he's not going to be impeached because it's clear the Democrats aren't interested in rocking that boat. Um, they, so it would appear. They're all working together up there in Washington, and, and that's a huge problem. And I think I, I think he's right. I think it'd be nice to have somebody who is more familiar with current case law sort of do an update on a, a step-by-step how to refuse a search and stay firm on your refusal uh, to to allow the police to search. You know, all we understand is that just say no to searches. Uh, say something to the effect of, I'm sorry, I, I don't consent to, uh, to, to your search. It's not that I have anything to hide. It's just that I'm not interested in that or I've got somewhere to be. I've, I've got a, a, an appointment to make and I just don't have time for this. Um, so you just, you just have to say no and hope that you aren't dealing with a rogue cop who's going to do whatever it takes to search your car or who's going to search your car anyway and then make something up or, you know, place a, a, a marijuana roach in your ashtray and then say, well, where'd this come from? Right. And you never know who you're dealing with as far as who it is that the, the cop is and how corrupt they are. But that doesn't mean that you should allow them to search. Always refuse a search. At least that way you can go into court and say, you know what, I did not consent to this search. I made that very clear. And if the cop was recording the scene via his, uh, his audio recording and video recording in the car, then there will be some sort of evidence that you can uncover to right. reveal that. Then you have a nice long court battle in your future. Mm. Well, nobody wants that, Mark. No. But that, but the only reason why you would have it does that beat court, being guilty. The only reason why you would have that court battle is if they had actually arrested you for something. Because so if you just refuse a search, they can't take you to court for that. They would have had to have found something to arrest you over, whether it be drugs or guns or or whatever it is. So presuming there isn't anything in your car, and presuming the cop doesn't plant something, you should be a okay. Either way, it's a scary situation to be in, and people, uh, you know, the adrenaline rushes, and you're nervous. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not anything you want to be in, which is why you want them to go away as soon as possible. And by asserting your rights, by letting this cop know that you aren't just the average pushover, because that's what they are expecting to deal with, mm-hmm. right? When they pull somebody over who might uh, be a long hair, or driving while black, or driving while Hispanic... Or, you know, driving a beater or something like that. They're used to just having somebody just easily manipulable, somebody who doesn't know their rights, and walking all over those people. And, you know, Ian, in in bringing this up, you can translate that. People get that adrenaline rush when they're face-to-face with a cop, and there's a physical proximity. But you are, we are in danger of having our bank records checked mm. and investigated and searched, of having our phone conversations checked and searched and why people don't translate the same sort of fear about government inefficiency or government manipulation onto that sort of thing as they would feel if they were in that immediate situation they should feel threatened by this FISA thing that happened over the weekend they should feel threatened by the fact that if they move X amount of money the government can come in Mm -hmm. and start checking you out but they don't know it yeah and banks themselves are supposed to report now deposits of larger than 5,000 bucks exactly they're called you know? tr- uh, cash transaction reports. Yeah. But most people don't know these things. No, and that that itself, I think, just the risk that the government can come in and investigate what I'm doing with my money 
it, I, I get the same feeling about that as I would get if I had a police officer behind me and I knew, oh, this guy's going to want to search my car. Now, I don't have anything in my car, but I don't want him to search my car. Now, we know about those things because we pay attention to what goes on in, in the, the world of news and that sort of thing. But most people aren't aware of cash transaction reports um, because they aren't laundering money, yeah. uh, whereas money launderers are well aware of cash transaction reports and make sure that they do business underneath those uh, reporting requirements. Right. So the regular citizen who deals in $10,000 in cash, for whatever reason, whether they're buying a car or whatever they're doing, they get a um, report put in on right. them, and it can make ruin their whole month. Yep. Regular people are more likely to be caught up by these laws than the, the criminals. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. show is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site we give away, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by going and voting for us at the Podcast Awards. Uh, it only happens once a year. We have won the Podcast Award tw- uh, two years in a row, the two years they've been doing it. And so this is our third opportunity to win. We can do it. Uh, there's a lot of competition this year. I'd say double the nominations this year than there were last year. So uh, we need you even more so than normal. Go to podcastawards.com. Com, scroll down to the political category and vote for Free Talk Live. It's that simple. In fact, you can do it today and Friday and Saturday. And it's over Saturday night. So you can do it every single day, once a day, or just do it once. Whatever you have time for, we would appreciate. Podcastawards.com. Scroll to the political category and vote for Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones and to David in New York. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Yes. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, yeah, with uh, uh, the IMF. What is the IMF? It's a uh, perpetually funding uh, agency for for, uh, international trade. The International uh, Monetary Fund, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. International Monetary Fund. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's financing out numerous radicals. Hmm. Whose altruism... To, uh, I would say, civilization at times seems to be uh, tenuous. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the IMF. Gardner, are you uh, aware of the the IMF? Yeah, the IMF uh, has pretty much, it's, it's, it's a mess. I mean, they, for example, international monetary fund money has been used to supposedly stop starvation in Africa. Uh, the money instead goes to warlords who kill more people in Africa. <laughs> well, that's what um, happens whenever you fund any government out there. You know, people assume, oh, we're going to do something to save the people. It never gets to the people. Yeah. I don't care if it's a giant shipment of Q-tips. It's never going to make it to the people unless you put, unless you have, um, you know, uh, volunteers on the ground administering it, and then you have a chance of getting it to, you know, the starving masses that need it. But if you just you know, drop something out of the back of a C5 galaxy, it's never going where you think it's going to go. David, thank you for the call. Really appreciate hearing from you. Is the UN behind that group, or is it something different? Uh, it's The International Monetary Fund is its own thing, but a lot of the people who are involved in starting the IMF were, are involved with the World Bank and also were involved with the UN. 
and uh, you know that there's the whole Bilderberger uh, thing behind oh that and, and everything. But the, the IMF as an institution is inefficient and uh, pretty much useless. Although I have to say there are some interesting. Somebody must be pocketing some. I mean, somebody is taking money and uh, profiting from this, though. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's not useless to the people running it. How no, about no, that? No, no, there are whole people <laughs> who make their careers. And but the funny thing about it, though, Ian, is that occasionally the IMF will get some pro free market people in there. I hmm. think was it James Bovard was uh, was an advisor for a while. Really? Um, I've yeah. read some of his stuff. He, he's a good writer. He's awesome. He is awesome. James Bovard. JimBovard.com, I think, is the website. Mm -hmm. um, just fantastic. And I think Amity Schles, who I went to see, uh, whom I went to see at Foundation for Economic Education a couple weeks ago down in Irvington. She has a new book called The Forgotten Man, all about the ridiculous proposals of FDR. She's not a, an Austrian libertarian as I would be. She's more mm -hmm. of a Milton Friedman-like libertarian. She doesn't mind central banking so much. But I think she's Ew. right now a scholar. I think she's a scholar with the... Uh, she's worked with the IMF or something like that as well. Which, you know, some people not say... Not enough to rescue the organization. Though. Oh, no way. No way. Yeah. Let's go to the phones to the fund. Scott in California listening on KSCO. Hello, Scott. Hello. Hey, what's I on your mind? Bites. Yes, sir. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, whoever's making money, the, the occult is behind it. You know, you're not in a police state when a uh, police car's behind you and have a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, protected and safe. And you know you're not in a police state, okay? Absolutely. I feel that way, baby. Listen, at first I didn't like you guys, you know, because it looked like you're pushing immigration, you know, just for the Mexicans and not for everybody, because that's the way it is, you know. That's just where I, I perceived it. But you know what? Keep blowing the whistle on this police state, and maybe, well, you know, we can be a free country once again. That's what we're working on, Scott. Any other thoughts for us? Yeah, maybe I'll join you in New Hampshire. I'll keep working. That'd be awesome. Sweet. Thank you. Wow. Thanks for the call, man. We really appreciate it. No, we're pushing immigration freedom. That's what we're pushing. We're taking. We're talking about getting rid of the bureaucracy. We're talking about eliminating welfare. We're talking about eliminating the uh, the bowl of milk, as Mark puts it, uh, for all of the the bad types of immigrants. We're talking about allowing people to come here and make a better life for themselves, whether they're coming from Borneo, whether they're coming from the Ukraine, whether they're coming from uh, Mexico or um, you know Madagascar. I don't care where you're coming from. If you want a better life and you want to live in freedom, this should be the place to come. And Scott's not unusual. Um, listening to this show for the first time is got to be it's a, a shocker yeah. it's a horrifying yeah. experience people are like holy crap whatever <laughs> whatever issue it is that we're talking about it just it, it's got to come out of the radio sounding like pure unadulterated chaos <laughs> oh yeah we just want to get rid of the border patrol and we want to open up the, the borders so the immigrants can pour in here and speak <laughs> spanish and shove tacos down your throats and you know whatever it is that it, it must sound like to the average listener but in fact we are very consistent. We believe that Americans, everyday individuals, can handle their own lives, and we yeah. don't need the government stepping in and solving every yeah. single one of our problems, and in the process, making our lives miserable. Right. They yeah. don't solve yeah. problems. Costing they create all new kinds of money. Yeah, how can you ask somebody to have faith in you to be able to handle your own life if you don't reciprocate the same sentiment for other people? Exactly. You know, it's funny you should you should mention the immigration uh, thing because I get emails from my aunt and uncle on my on my mother's side, my uh, oh, no. my mother's brother and his wife. The forwarded emails. Yeah, FW 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 and uh, this one was about social security. As the uh, circle jerks would have said, Social Security has run out on you and me. Remember mm -hmm. that song? So, um, 
I'm this, not sure you're even allowed to mention that group's name on the radio. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure about that either. Yeah. So anyway. That um, was their name, and I know they got radio playtime. I heard them on the true, college radio. That's so. true. Absolutely. But this is interesting because they said, did you know that these foreigners, they come in, they're foreign, and they're getting Social Security, and they haven't even paid in. They're getting money they haven't paid for. And it's like, well, you know, if you're over 80 and you're getting Social Security... You're probably getting money you haven't paid into the system. I'm sorry, but that's the way it works. There are lots none of, of old the money you today. Get, hold on, none of the money you yeah, get yeah. is the money you paid speaking, in. Exactly, but you're getting far more than what you could have put in. In many cases, many people are getting that. So apparently, they don't mind if you're an American and you're getting back more than you had taken from you from the from the government for social security and somebody else has to pay for this it. This is all uh, this is all a big game of misdirection and distraction by the government, right? Yeah. You know, they've created this social security wealth redistribution commu- uh, communal co- communistic yeah, program this big pot of money so that we can all scrap over who gets right. what piece of this money. It was our money to begin with. Stop taking it from us, and there won't be any problems. Oh, Look. no. We're Americans. We're the only ones who can take your money. You know, it's ludicrous. This, right. this Ponzi scheme, this Social Security, the, the, the average American that is going to get it is going to get a 1% return on the money that they put in. Likely, it won't be enough to buy yourself a da- bag of dog food when I get to be <laughs> 65 years old. And, you know, I mean, this right. is, it's ludicrous. If I was able to keep my money, put it in an IRA... I'd actually get some some kind of return on it that would be better than inflation. Right. And you'd be a multimillionaire. I, you absolutely would. But, you know, we're always concerned about that other person that might not put their money away and they could right, starve Mark. on the See, streets. Mark, because somebody can't decide how to handle their money, you should be forced to not be able to handle your own money. You know, oh, great point. We had a system for this um, in the past. It was called poor houses. This is where people who didn't have any money, they all went to live sort of communally and they worked, um, you know, to support themselves. And mm-hmm. the ones that couldn't get along there, well, they had big problems. The government has done an amazing job of uh, distracting the American people from the real issue. The real issue isn't immigrants coming here. The real issue is the government confiscating your wealth, and then they're um, they're deciding what to do with it. Right, um, and, and it's all based on the lowest common denominator. And by that, I mean the stupidest person out there, the one who's least capable of taking care of themselves. That's the person by whom our yardstick is, you know, the mm-hmm. yardstick by which we, we are all judged. Look, I don't need you judging me by the dumb guy next door. Right. Leave me alone. I can handle the investment of my money. I can handle whether or not to hire somebody who, you know, might speak limited English. These are things that I can handle as an adult. The question isn't who gets Social Security. The question is why have you accepted the concept yeah. Of Social Security. Not to mention that Social Security is entirely voluntary, and we shouldn't have to be, um, you know, you, you sh- as a... Uh, Again, they've distracted you from that as well. Right. They distract- as a small business person, I don't pay in. They've distracted everybody from the real issue, and that is the government itself, the, the nature of the system, the coercive nature of the state. And... Who can blame them? I mean, they've done a very effective job at it. They are trying to protect their system. They're trying to protect their power. That's why they educate you. That's why the government runs the schools, to keep you distracted. It's been Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And we'll join you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 